Power and Paradox by the Kinky Pet, Chapter 33, Notes. For some reason this chapter was a ridiculous struggle, but here it is. Sorry for the delay getting this to you. Still not really happy with this, but I don't think obsessing will help. Smiley face. Sir, Jarvis called. Sir, I'm very sorry to wake you, but it is noon. Tony's head ached and his stomach roiled. You expected at the safe house in roughly an hour. Uh, Tony mumbled into the blankets. There's a glass of water and two ibuprofen on your nightstand. Uh, Tony mumbled. He pulled the covers over his head. You should depart in roughly thirty minutes to avoid being late. Uh-huh. A long pause. Do you require assistance, sir? Shall I summon Mrs. Rhodes? No! Tony tossed the covers back abruptly, then winced. Marianne Rhodes disapproved of excess. I'm up, Tony insisted. May I remind you that you have a glass of water and two ibuprofen on your nightstand? Thanks, Jay. Tony swallowed the pills with small, careful sips of water. He took stock of himself. A bit hungover, but all in all not so bad. He was pretty sure it wouldn't show today, and in the end it was nothing a little time and a few pills couldn't cure. Tony smiled. Oh, Rhodey and his obsession with giving Tony water when drunk. It was sweet of him to leave painkillers and water, though Tony was kind of surprised that Rhodey'd had the presence of mind for it, really, considering he'd been pretty smashed, too. Tony remembered both of them nearly falling down while Rhodey was helping him to bed, and... Tony froze. He looked at the glass of water. Steve. Tony searched back through his slightly clouded memory. He was pretty sure that Steve had been the one helping Rhodey put Tony to bed, and he was probably the one who left the water and ibuprofen, too. Tony's cheeks heated. Shit. Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. It was one thing for Rhodey to do it. He'd been looking after Tony's drunken ass since he was too young to drink, so it was practically tradition. But Steve... Tony was nearly 40, for fuck's sake. He ought to be able to hold his liquor by now. After all, he'd had lots of practice. And for Steve, who was, shit, like 15 years younger, to be hauling him to bed, that was just ridiculous. Tony sighed. At least he was still wearing his jeans. Sir, it is now ten after. Normally, Tony'd serve Jarvis some sass right about then, but the hangover was a bit of a distraction. He shuffled to the bathroom. He definitely needed a shower. His hair was a mess and his eyes still looked the smitch bloodshot. His tank top was gross and sweaty and... Tony paused. The tank top was threadbare, leaving the light and contours of the arc reactor clearly visible, and it drooped low, revealing the topmost scarring, thick and knotted. Shit. He took a deep breath and let it out. He turned on the shower, nice and hot, and stripped. Whatever. Everybody knew it was there. It was fine that the team, and Steve, had seen it. It was fine. Everything was fine. Hey, Jarvis, ask the new guy to grab me some breakfast. For the car, would ya? Gotta get the show on the road. And coffee. Lots of coffee. Already taken care of, sir. The Onion. Staff at the Cincinnati Soup Kitchen, Our Daily Bread, say that they couldn't be more pleased by the Thanksgiving volunteer turnout. It's just great to see so many people giving up a whole five hours of their time on Thanksgiving, said the kitchen's founder, Angela Piccola. They'll shake the dirty-handed homeless then, without even washing that hand. Some of them turn around to pat themselves on the back. Volunteers could be seen spilling out the doors of the overwhelmed kitchen, tenderly taking pictures of themselves of the less fortunate and posting them on Instagram and Facebook. Of course, it's normally just me and Angela, said young Sam Daniels, who also runs an outreach program for African-American youth. Usually the two of us do all the kitchen prep and the cooking and the cleanup of making dinner for about 60 people a day. It's a real treat to have so many well-off white people here on Thanksgiving, vaguely peeling carrots, being confused by scrub brushes, and taking pictures. Asked if they might like to have a few extra volunteers on every shift rather than 120 on Thanksgiving, Piccola shrugged. Well, sure, I guess, but we can't actually expect people to do that. On Thanksgiving, I'm just thankful to see how many people care so much for five hours every year. 
Happy had gone to New Jersey to spend Thanksgiving with his folks, so the new guy, Francis, had volunteered to drive Tony over the holiday weekend. Tony was famous for his generous holiday pay, after all. Francis was a very slow, very cautious driver, and since he was still recovering from his hangover, Tony was grateful. Tony slumped heavily back into the rich, padded leather as they made their way from the former's dark mansion. The safe house was always exhausting. In a lot of ways, it was good. Good to see that ostentatious house providing a safe haven to so many people. To see the older subs looking out for the younger ones. Tony had a special soft spot for the teens, often male subs who'd run away from home. In theory, Tony came on Thanksgiving to help with the preparations, but mostly he just wandered around and chatted with people, trying to keep the atmosphere chill. He joked about what a terrible cook he was and told silly stories about being banned from various kitchens, his mother's included. He'd be back in a couple of weeks to help with another workshop on coding and basic programming, something he was far more comfortable with. One of the safe house's best innovations, their most disadvantaged guests were far more likely to get back on their feet with new job training. In fact, he'd spent longer than he'd intended to hold up in the library the group of guests who'd asked him to take a look at their code and to take them through the Stark Industries hiring procedures and a standard interview questions. Even on a holiday, many of them were hard at work. They'd been short on career development volunteers lately. Tony's talked to Isaac about hiring more staff. Not that all the subs at Safe House were more broadly disadvantaged and needed career training. Isaac had told him once about a beautiful sub in her 40s, a top-notch accountant. She showed up in a crisp business suit carrying a briefcase and offering to volunteer her services for the foundation then asking softly if she could stay the night. She was afraid to go home. Tony's stomach felt tight. It wasn't the hangover. Various people asked him to stay for dinner, but it always felt like an intrusion, and he declined politely. Tony both loved and hated spending time at the safe house. The employees and volunteers who were up and down that he was always welcome, that their guests were always happy to see him, but it felt so hideously awkward. But not just awkward, Gross, like he was some disgusting parasite, swooping in to use their tragedies and hardships to make himself feel like a good man, not just another rich asshole. Like he was showing up to collect his due of gratitude and groveling, to force himself on their consciousness and remind them just who paid for what, and whose house that was, just by being there, no matter what he actually said or did. Tony sighed and ran his fingers through his hair. You're right back there, sir, Francis asked. Need me to go more slowly? No, no thanks, Tony said. I'm fine. I'm fine. He closed his eyes and tried to nod off. Mom would have loved the safe house. Penthouse, Jay? Tony called when he got back to the tower, then thought better of it and asked, Actually, where's Pep? On the communal floor, sir. Okay, let's head there instead. Steve, Bruce, and Mrs. Rhodes were clustered together in the kitchen, deep in conversation. Rody, Clint, and Natasha were out on the balcony under the heat lamps, and Pepper was stretched out across the couch, book in hand and washcloth on her forehead. After a moment's hesitation, Tony crossed the room and squeezed in next to her on the couch. How's the hangover, he asked. I'm fine, she said with a shrug. You? On a scale of wish I were dead to totally worth it, this morning I was at should have skipped the last two drinks, so I'd say pretty good. Pepper laughed and it made Tony smile. No real regrets, even if he'd had a rude awakening. At least no regrets caused by the hangover. It had been great to see Pep and Rody unwind. They clearly did it so infrequently. The team, though, he wasn't sure. How's the safe house? Pepper asked. Fine, Tony said, curling up to put his head on Pep's stomach. He breathed steadily in and out, matching his breaths to hers. Pepper turned her gaze back to her book, reading while she waited. She knew he found it hard to talk about the safe house. She turned the page. Yeah, Tony said eventually. It was fine. Then he sat up a little and added with a wry smile. I've done way more demanding stuff, way more hungover. Their coding lessons still seem to be going well, but I think we need more tutors. Isaac and I have a meeting soon, so we'll work it out. Tony adjusted his cuffs and added, 
Jean asked me to bring the Avengers around. Funny you should mention that, Pepper said, bookmarking her reading. Nat and I were talking earlier, and she had an idea. She suggested the Avengers could offer a self-defense class at the safe house, something designed specifically for the subs there. Oh, Nat had an idea, did she? Tony asked. He shook his head incredulously. I still can't believe how buddy-buddy you are with her now, after, well, you know. Pet flashed him her shark grin. Oh, Natalie Rushman and I reached an understanding while you were in the hospital. Pep could be truly terrifying when she wanted to be. He inquired no further. Pepper continued. Anyway, we floated the possibility of the captain, and he had a few ideas too. Seemed very enthusiastic. Yeah, maybe, Tony said with some reluctance. But we already did a self-defense class. Well, sure, Pepper agreed. But you're the Avengers. People pay thousands of dollars to attend lavish benefits when they'll get a chance to meet you. Even if they don't learn any particular unique moves, I think the safe house reticents would enjoy the experience. Okay, Tony said pensively. I'll talk to Gina. Steve approached from the kitchen. Tony tensed up with nerves and hoped Pepper couldn't tell. He forced himself to relax. Hi, Tony, Steve said, giving him a warm smile, his voice a little soft. Hey, Tony said, trying to be casual, unembarrassed. Dinner won't be ready for quite a while, Steve told him with an apologetic smile. We've got lots of snacks if you're hungry. Can I get you anything? Nah, I'm good, Tony said, waving his hand. I snacked at the safe house. And Steve's smile changed at the mention of it, somehow softer and warmer. That's good, Steve said. He paused and asked, Uh, how are you feeling? Me, Tony said, eyebrows raised. Fine, I felt great all day, he lied. It was on the tip of his tongue to protest that he hadn't been that drunk, but it was such a cliche it could only make him look worse. Well, Steve said, looking surprised. That's good. Pepper, can I get you anything? A cup of tea would be lovely, she said. Sure thing. Milk and sugar? Yes, please. Just a dash. Be right back. Pepper smiled at Tony. Mild headache aside, I'm glad we got a chance to celebrate last night. Yeah, Tony said, returning her smile. Me too. Wish I had some of our duets on video, Pepper added, sounding amused. For private consumption only, of course. Yeah, he agreed faintly. Shit. He was pretty sure the whole team had seen him doing his best stripper dance, shaking his booty left and right on the table and maybe gyrating about the living room. Tony's cheeks flushed with unwilling embarrassment. Whatever. There was nothing to be embarrassed about, dammit. He hadn't done anything wrong. Tony curled up around Pepper again, trying to hide his blush. Not wrong, but still. Not exactly professional behavior. Tony tapped absently at the arc reactor. But that didn't matter now. They were friends. Tony frowned. Hey, are you okay? Pepper asked, looking concerned. Tony stopped his tapping abruptly. Yeah, of course. Pepper raised one perfectly sculpted eyebrow. I... Tony hesitated. Some of last night's a little... fuzzy. Just hoping I didn't do anything to embarrass myself. Tony, we were all letting off steam. It was a party. Pepper's eyes flicked to the kitchen, and she added, If anybody would judge you for it, they have poor judgment. And that's not on you. Tony bristled and sat up again. I know that. Here you go, Pepper, Steve said as he approached the steaming mug. Are you sure I can't bring you anything, Tony? Nope, I'm good, Tony said, and... Hey, what are you doing bringing people tea? Aren't you supposed to be roasting a turkey? The oven does most of the work, Tony, Steve said, corner of his mouth corking up in amusement. But yeah, I'm actually going down to my kitchen to check on it now. Would you like to come see it? Tony hesitated. Nah, I'll skip the spoilers. I'll see it when it's done. Oh, okay. Steve sounded a little disappointed, then added, I hope it turns out all right. Mrs. Rhodes has been giving me pointers, but I've never roasted anything near so big before. Hope you won't be sorry you let me cook. Tony shook his head. I'm useless in the kitchen. 
If it were up to me, I'd serve it half raw or set the damn thing on fire. Of course, it would have been easy to hire caterers who'd done it perfectly, but Tony was too nice to say that. Tony shrugged. I'm sure it'll be fine. Thanks, Steve said, smiling again. He glanced down at his watch, an actual wristwatch, and said, Well, time to baste. Tony watched as Steve stopped to exchange a few words with Mrs. Rhodes before heading to the elevator. Later, Pep, Tony said, hopping off the couch and sauntering to the kitchen. Mrs. Rhodes was rolling out pie crusts, wearing a red and white checkered apron she'd wisely brought from home. You make the best pies, Tony said. Can't buy pie as good as yours. Trust me, I've tried. Mrs. Rhodes shook her head. I'm making all your favorites already. No need to butter me up. Enough butter in the crust. Tony chuckled. You're as terrible with compliments as I am. Nonsense, Mrs. Rhodes said, sprinkling more flour on the counter. So, Tony said, bumping his hip playfully against hers. She swatted him away with a little shooing noise that made Tony grin. He leaned back against the kitchen counter. You don't seem especially overwhelmed to be cooking Thanksgiving dinner alongside Captain America. Not impressed to meet a living legend. Mrs. Rhodes set down her rolling pin. She turned to give him a look, mouth quirked and one eyebrow raised. Honey, she said, vowels drawn out. She shook her head. Then she lifted her chin and said a little fiercely, My son is Lieutenant Colonel James Rode, War Machine. Her look softened as she added, And my other boy's Iron Man. Takes a hell of a lot to impress me. With that, Mrs. Rhodes turned back to her pie crusts. Of course, she'd said things like that before, plenty of times. Yet it always left Tony wrong-footed, touched, but awkward. Honey, my hands are a mess, she said, breaking the moment. Get some ice from the freezer for me, would you? Tony hastened to comply. I'll say this for Thanksgiving at the tower, Mrs. Rhodes said. It sure is nice to have enough ovens. It's always a pain with just one. And considering the bird you got, well, I'd have had to had to make all the pies yesterday, she chuckled. Captain Rogers is a fair hand in the kitchen. To my surprise, I'll give him that, but left to his own devices, I feared we'd have been eating that bird of yours at midnight. Good thing I was here. Yeah, Tony said. He seems nervous about it. I'd say that's understandable, she said with a shrug, then added matter-of-factly. He wants to impress you. Tony didn't know what to say to that, so he reached out to pinch off a piece of the pie crust and popped it into his mouth. Mmm, buttery. Mrs. Rhodes scowled. My mom would have wrapped my hand with a rolling pin if I'd tried something like that. Tony grinned. Yeah, but you're too nice. Oh, go on, she cried, waving a rolling pin at him. Get out of my kitchen. Yes, ma'am, Tony said, still grinning as he retreated with his hands held up in surrender. If you want to pester somebody's cooking, go pester the captain, Mrs. Rhodes added as Tony walked away. He paused. Steve had invited him to come see the turkey. Tony turned his steps towards the elevator, but as the doors closed, he hesitated. Tony bit his lip. Workshop, Jarvis. And was it all in his head, or did Jarvis's habitual sir sound distinctly disapproving? After an hour of tinkering with dummy and faithful attendance, the tension had eased somewhat from Tony's shoulders. The safe house was fine. His teammates were fine. Probably. He doubted that anyone had noticed his absence yet, brief as it was, but he'd hate to disappoint Rhodey or Pepper, so he hopped on the elevator. When he reached the penthouse kitchen, he found everyone had been put to work. Natasha and Pepper were quarrying and slicing apples, while Steve, Rhodey, and Clint peeled a mountain of potatoes nearby. Bruce was showing Mrs. Rhodes five heads of some wholesome-looking greens. They were playing the Beatles again. Hey, you've got to hide your love away. How can I even try? I can never win. There you are, dear, Mrs. Rhodes said, catching sight of Tony. I was starting to wonder where you'd gotten to. Steve looked up to Tony with a brilliant smile. Beautiful. So, any jobs for me? Tony asked Mrs. Rhodes, though he really despised cooking. Rhodey laughed. Can you be trusted? He teased. I seem to remember a fire and a- Once! One time! Tony squawked. You can start dicing those potatoes, Mrs. Rhodes said. She set a cutting board and a kitchen knife down at the empty spot next to Steve. 
We'll be boiling and mashing them in a bit, so just make them to cubes like this. Oui, mon capitaine, Tony said, saluting Marianne Rhodes and grabbing the potatoes Steve had just peeled. Pepper was humming along to the beetles. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? Tony just couldn't resist ribbing Clint a bit. He'd taken Hawkeye for a stones type, and soon they were bickering playfully the age-old question of beetles versus stones, each trying to win Steve over. Steve listened with amused interest, occasionally asking questions that made Rhodey laugh and Mrs. Rhodes smile, things like, but the Beatles and the Rolling Stones are both after Michael Jackson, right? Soon the whole team was giving Steve a mini-history of pop music, calling requests out to Jarvis, and fact-checking Wikipedia for disputed trivia. Potatoes were diced. Apples were sliced. Mrs. Rhodes' orders were followed with prompt obedience. To Tony's surprise, every few minutes, Clint would whip out his phone to take pictures of every dish and everybody on his Stark phone. Tony opened his mouth to tease, but there was something oddly sweet about Clint's sudden inclination to photograph the team. Tony wondered if Clint had many happy memories of previous Thanksgivings for comparison. Somehow, he doubted it. Rhodey kept tapping furtively at his phone, and making this pleased little noise whenever it lit up with a reply. Tony resisted the temptation to roll his eyes. Rhodey kept the ringer on silent, and put his phone surreptitiously under the table to text. But he might as well have taken a megaphone and shouted, I'm texting with my new girlfriend, and I'm crazy about her! It was sweet in a disgusting sort of way that totally inspired neither jealousy nor envy. Tony observed Steve out of the corner of his eye, still watchful of some sign of disapproval about his antics the previous night, though he was no longer bracing for a direct remark. But next to him, Steve just kept smiling, every now and then casting Tony this soft little look that Tony didn't know what to do with. So when Steve wiped his hands on a towel and announced, Well, time to go check on the turkey again, Tony hopped up to join him. Decided you want the, uh, spoilers, after all, Steve asked as they approached the elevator. Yeah, why not, Tony said with a shrug. Besides, the potatoes were making my hands all weird and starchy feeling. Could use a break. As the elevator doors opened, the aroma of roasting meat and spices made Tony's mouth water. Smells good, Tony said, following Steve to the kitchen. Seems to be going okay. Well, I hope so, at least. Mrs. Rhodes has been very helpful. Steve frowned as he opened the oven. The skin still isn't done crisping, though. Really? Tony asked skeptically, peering at the turkey's golden, glistening skin covered in herbs and coarse salt. Looks good to me. Hmm... Steve consulted some handwritten papers he had on the kitchen counter. Advice from the matriarch Rhodes, Tony asked, peering at the notes. Steve nodded. Tony smiled. She's the best. Agreed. I'm very glad to make her acquaintance, Steve said. The formality of his diction and nod matched the earnestness and warmth of his tone. I'm glad she and Jim could come visit. Steve hesitated. It was nice seeing you and Rhody together last night, and Pepper, having fun. The nervous little knot in Tony's stomach that had been slowly unwinding all afternoon finally came untied. Steve added, I've been wanting to thank you. It was very kind of you to include me, Tony. Huh? Tony felt off balance again. You're welcome? He hadn't meant for it to sound like a question. Seriously, no biggie. Steve turned his attention back to the turkey, taking a weird-looking giant eyedropper thing and dripping turkey juice all over the bird. That's basting, right? I hope I wasn't intruding, Steve added eventually, pulling Tony from his thoughts. Huh? No, of course not. I invited you, Tony protested. I was glad you came. Tony said, just meaning to reassure Steve, who was apparently as nervous about the evening as Tony had been, or got nervous because Tony was nervous. As he spoke, though, Tony realized how entirely he meant it. He was glad Steve had joined them, drunken silliness and all. And it was sort of sweet, though ridiculous, that Steve was nervous. Tony had been worried that Steve had thought, what? He wasn't even sure what he'd worried about exactly. That he'd think I'm a slutty dancer? That I'm an irresponsible drunk? That the scarring's ugly? That arc reactor makes me a freak? Okay, so he did know what he'd worried about. But Steve had worried, too, that he was intruding, that he didn't fit in. 
Tony watched Steve dribble juices over the turkey and wondered what else Steve might have worried about. You and Rody, Steve said. It was good to see you together. You two reminded me of... His smile went a little wistful. Of me and Bucky. It was nice. Tony wondered if Steve knew how right he was, if it had taken Bucky as many years to get over Steve as it had taken Tony to get over Rody. Tony swallowed. Sounds like he was a hell of a guy. Yeah, Steve said, pulling out the meat thermometer. He was. He blinked rapidly a few times and looked up at Tony with a smile. Hey, I think this turkey's almost ready. Bruce and Pepper sat at the table with all the fancy china and cloth napkins and stuff Tony was still pretty sure he hadn't purchased himself. Must have been the decorator. The table was overflowing with food. Mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, corn, green beans, salad, cranberry sauce, stuffing, all in gigantic serving bowls. There were five pies cooling in the kitchen. Clint had taken a dozen pictures each. When the elevator doors parted, reveals Steve carrying their turkey on a giant silver platter. The room burst into applause. But no, seriously, who bought these things? He thought. Holy shit, Clint called. He took four pictures in rapid succession. Now there's a sign of super muscles, just carrying a mass of birds an act of patriotic heroism. Dude, Tony, did you order a dinosaur? It looks like a pterodactyl. You'd know, bird brain. Seriously? This again? It's a code name. Everybody, take your seats, Mrs. Rhodes directed. Captain, would you carve? I can certainly try, Mrs. Rhodes. Hope the salad isn't too bitter, Bruce mumbled. It's going to be hard to save room for pie, Pepper told Natasha. Rody laughed at something on his phone, then looked sheepish. Start serving yourselves while Steve and I work on the turkey, Mrs. Rhodes directed, and they sprang into action. Tony started to eat a huge forkful of potatoes while Mrs. Rhodes' back was turned, but when he caught sight of Natasha's expression, he set his fork back down as stealthily as possible. Tony insisted that Mrs. Rhodes take the head of the table, but she'd put Tony at her right, Steve at the left, then Rody and Pepper, Clinton and Natasha, and Bruce opposite her, as a fellow chef. Tony's foot tapped under the table, and his stomach rumbled. Hurry up, people! Would you like to say a few words, Tony? Mrs. Rhodes asked as she took her seat. He knew what she was really asking. Nah, I'm good, Tony said with a shrug, but you go ahead. Would you say a blessing, Captain? Mrs. Rhodes asked. Uh, Steve fumbled. Sai looked over to Tony, then back to Mrs. Rhodes. Sure. Steve bowed his heads, and Mrs. Rhodes did the same. Tony looked down, feeling a little awkward, as Steve softly said, Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive. From thy bounty through Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen, Mrs. Rose repeated, as a smattering of the inventors echoed it with varying degrees of awkwardness. Tony reached for his fork. Lord, Mrs. Rose said, head still bowed and hands folded. Tony put his fork back down. I'd like to give thanks here for family and for friends and for the bounty at this table. Thanks, too, for the bravery of all the men and women who risked their lives to protect this country. We give thanks for the good things we have as we continue to strive for prosperity, peace, and justice for the world. Bless and keep us all. Amen. Amen, Rody, Steve, and Natasha answered. Okay, Rody and Steve made sense, but Tony was kind of surprised by Natasha. Uh, amen, Clint mumbled. Then glanced over at Bruce with a tented smile. Organized religion made them both a little nervous, but Tony knew Mrs. Rhodes didn't mean to make anybody uncomfortable, and, well, everything she said was so earnest and nice, Tony would have been kind of sorry to miss it. Bruce smiled back. Now, everybody, let's eat, Mrs. Rhodes said. Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving, they answered. Steve raised his glass. To friends! To friends! Dinner passed in a pleasant blur of food and chatter, warmth and contentment, and now they'd reached the after-dinner dilemma. Which movie would they watch? Top Gun! The Sound of Music! Amelia! Terminator 2! Dude, seriously, Terminator 2! I have the perfect suggestion, Tony proclaimed, raising his arms. Clinton Rody groaned. How dare you doubt my taste! Besides, Rody, you're gonna love it. Okay, Tones, what is it? 
Star Trek Marathon. You were pissed I started Steve on TOS without you, so why don't we... Can I get a drum roll? Wrath of Khan. Rhodey brightened. Ooh, did you already watch Space Seed? Sure did. Count me in, Nat said. I'm always up for Star Trek, Bruce said with a shrug, then shook a finger at Tony. No reciting the dialogue, though. I'll be good. What do you think, Cap? Tony asked. Steve smiled. Sounds great. I've liked all the Star Trek you've picked out so far. He paused. Wait, is Wrath of Khan the movie you told me not to read about on the internet? Sure is. It's kind of legendary. What do you think, Mrs. Rhodes? Steve asked politely. Her mouth quirked up as she said, I like Star Trek just fine, and I've been indulging my boy's obsession for decades now, so it feels like a holiday tradition at this point. Well, Steve said, I have been wondering... Steve's phone blared an electronic version of Reveille, and he fell silent. He took it out of his pocket and frowned at it for a moment before saying, Please excuse me, and heading to the far side of the room to answer it with a brisk. Captain Roger speaking. I'm too stuffed for popcorn, Clint was saying, but I still kind of want it, because movie. If we watch Wrath of Khan, Bruce said, you know we're going to have to watch the next two movies. Yeah, Rhodey agreed. Otherwise, it's a horrible downer. I did say marathon, Tony told them distractedly. He was watching Steve. He could tell, even with Steve's back to them, the way his shoulders had drawn tight. Well, I couldn't possibly eat any popcorn, Pepper announced, but I am interested in a cocktail. You're a good bartender, Clint. What shall we make? Yes, sir, Steve said on the other side of the room and put his phone away. As he approached, their amiable chatter faded at the sight of his expression, tight and drawn. What's up, Cap? Natasha asked softly. The energy signature, Steve said. It's back. Notes Thanks so much for reading this. Hope you liked it. Sorry for the little cliffhanger. I hope to have the next chapter written more quickly. Cheerleading appreciated, as always. Smiley face. This is Enchip. And... Steve roasted a raptor. It went very well. And then the chapter ended sadly, because sometimes you just gotta. Because bad things don't happen at convenient times. <laughs>